Welcome, everybody, to the College Football Rundown. Matt Woj is out of town this week. Everyone has the luxury of just myself, the real talent, Wall. And we brought a guest this week for you, too, Mr. Michael Story. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for filling in for Woj while he's on his vacation. What's up, Wall? Listen, if this goes well, we can uh, tell Woj to stay on vacation a little while longer. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, we'd get so many more listeners. People, the Rundown Nation would be so happy for us if we did that. They love having you on your story. You know what we're going to do at the end of this episode? We always do it. We're going to do our pickums. And I know, I know the Rundown Nation's excited to hear your pickum because I don't want to put you in the spot, but I don't believe you have missed one yet on this program. Have you? We are putting the undefeated record on the line with a little, little, uh, out of the way conference action. So we'll get to it, but uh, just, a, just a little preview for what we got coming up. Well, hopefully they don't fast forward through just to get your pick, which I think some of our fans might know and how good you are at that. But let's get into some of the games for last week. But before we do that, actually, story, I know Woj isn't here. You know, I want to go over the league. You're, you're in the rundown DraftKings Fantasy Football League almost every week, are you not? I am in every week. I don't miss it. I think it's a great league. It's a lot of fun. For those who don't know, we do this uh, this daily fantasy college football league, pitting one another uh, all against each other. And, and you guys, uh, you guys uh, are offering uh, some merchandise, right, for people who participate. Some swag, baby. You win this story. You win this. You are getting a koozie. And you know how much that koozie's costing you? It's costing you zero dollars. Zero dollars. Priceless. 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 Exactly. It is priceless story. I love how you phrase that. This week, LW886 is getting a koozie. 234 points story. I know you and I, I mean, you're always up there anyways, though. You just, you're the man when it comes to fantasy, daily fantasy. It doesn't matter. Season long fantasy. You're always up there. But this week, LW886 dropped 234. I mean, that's a high score, no? Incredible. It's just incredible. I can't wait to write this. We do. Uh, I write this up every week for the SB Intel newsletter. I can't wait to to do the recap on this one because LW eight eight six just put a hurt on the league this week, beating the second place JM Duff by more than third, almost thirty points. Just just an absolute smackdown. Absolutely, and JM Duff had a respectable score in himself. No kidding, two hundred five. 205, I mean, yeah, you're you're over two hundred, Mark. And I, I don't want to speak for Woj. He's the DFS master on this program, but if you're over 200, I mean, you're having a good week and just 234. You're, and I'd like to say the DFS master, you could almost spot him a hundred and LW886 is covering that one story. Now you would have never taken Woj minus a hundred in this, would you? Absolutely not. I would not have uh, third place for him, but just looking at uh, LW886's roster, they had, they had Gunnar Romney play who didn't put up a single point, right? <laughs> And they still put up 234.78 points. K.J. Jefferson, 40.88, just an incredible effort from him. Arkansas over BYU last week, 52 to 35. I don't know how many points per dollar that is. Woj has all that information. But uh, you just scroll down, and and every single one of these has got the little fire symbol on it. So uh, great job. I think that fire symbol means good story. From what I've learned from Woj, (laughs) I don't listen to him all the time. I'll be honest, but he's not here. I can say that. I think it means fire. I think fire means good, though, in this in this sense, anyways. But this week, I, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll have the DraftKings League again. He's down in Tennessee. He went to tear down those goalposts from that Tennessee Alabama game. So I'm not sure if he's going to get the DraftKings League up this week. But if he does, we will send out a tweet, let everyone know. If not, we will be back the week after. Give everybody a break from the pounding LW886 gave him. But sorry, I think we need to jump into that Tennessee game. I mentioned how Woj is down there. 
tearing down those field goal posts. Did you watch that one last week? A hundred percent. So I'm usually the guy that, you know, I got the full package. So I'm flipping between 10 games on any given time during, during Saturday. And this one I had glued to the screen. I could not get away from this game, Alabama and Tennessee. What an absolute monster of a game. Final score, Tennessee, 52, Alabama, 49, right? 32 points scored in the fourth quarter alone. Just an absolutely stunner at the end. Tennessee taking down number three in the nation, Alabama, on the leg of Chase McGrath, the kicker for Tennessee, make it a 40-yard field goal as time expired to give Tennessee the victory. And, you know, we just got to hope that Woj makes it out of that state alive because I got a <laughs> feeling that uh, they're going to be partying all week down there. Yeah, he's he's probably wearing his Iowa jersey, and I don't think they like the Big Ten down there. So we'll hope he makes it out alive for more than one reason. I watched the game two story, and it it was a very good football game. Very good football game. The thing I'm going to do, though, is I'm really going to take the other side of this a little bit. I mean, it came down to that field goal that you mentioned, right? And that's what won the game for them. Obviously, Tennessee beat them. They beat them fair and square, and Tennessee is undefeated on the season. And I always give respect to the teams that have not lost a game right? If you win, you're a good football team. That's just kind of the way it goes. I want to bring up that Texas game story. And you know, I'm a Texas fan. You specifically know I'm a Longhorns fan. They lost. Remember when Texas lost by one point to Alabama? This game was very similar to that. That atmosphere at Tennessee really helped out the volunteers, in my opinion. I mean, that place was rocking. Normally, you're sharp. I'm going to say it on this on there. I, I, I hate to pin you down, but you're sharp. You know that in the books, they're given three, three and a half points to a home team like that, at least in a game like that. So you have to understand this is kind of, you know, a tie football game, right? If this was not at Tennessee, do you think that outcome is the same? It's tough to say, but yeah, it's Tennessee is an absolutely tough place to play. That might be one of the toughest in the SEC, if not the nation. It's loud there. That uh, that crowd gets incredibly raucous. They boo when things do not go <laughs> their way with some of the calls on the field that uh, I got a little scared for. They've been known to throw things on the field before. Uh, it's it's tough to say. You know, the head and hooker played an out-of-his-mind incredible game. Jalen Hyatt stepping up for the injured uh, Cedric Tillman. Six passes, 207 yards, and five, five touchdowns. Got himself a post-game cigar. Long-held <laughs> tradition there uh, when they play against Alabama. This is just, you know, the, the, the passing game is firing on all cylinders. Uh, Alabama's defense, I don't want to say they've taken a step back because they certainly haven't this year, but uh, just the way that Tennessee is playing, uh, Heupel's got the team going. Yeah, I can't say for sure that uh, it would have come out the same way. You know, Alabama was a nine-point favorite coming into Tennessee. Just an absolute stunner. You can't say enough good things about this game. No, and everybody's real excited. Everybody gets on the bandwagon now. They're on the volunteers' bandwagon, but the people – that have money on this story, the people that have to put lines out there. You look at the team to win the national championship right now. You're looking at Georgia plus 180 and Ohio State plus 180. Obviously, the two front runners there. Then you got Alabama sitting right behind them at plus 450. I remind you, Alabama is the team we're talking about that just lost to Tennessee. Then we got Clemson plus 1,000. Then we get all the way down to that fifth spot where we got Tennessee plus 1,600. So if you're talking about the people that actually have money on the line, the people, you know, that can't just talk, they have to put money down, essentially. They're saying that Alabama has almost a four times better chance of making the playoffs. So I have to think when Alabama and Tennessee play again, if they do, if Tennessee's able to beat Georgia, 
if Tennessee plays them in the SEC championship, I have to think that's going to be a higher spread than even the nine and a half we got this this week. And I think that I just asked you, if not at Tennessee, is this a different outcome? I'm pretty sure it will be. I'm pretty sure the people that are setting those lines are going to say the same thing as me, but we'll see. Well, let's, let's talk about those futures for just a second, Walt, because I, I'm looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook and I'm looking at the national championship winners. So you just listed them up, right? And specifically Alabama plus 450, Tennessee plus 1600. But then you flip over to the Heisman odds. Stroud, CJ Stroud from Ohio State plus 110. The next up, Hendon Hooker plus 425. Then Caleb Williams from USC, then Blake Quorum, then Bryce Young at plus 1800. Now, the Heisman lives and dies by a quarterback, right? The quarterbacks of these incredible teams. So to me, it's a little strange that Hennon Hooker would be almost, would be more than four times as likely to win the Heisman according to these odds, but that Alabama would be more than four times, almost four times as likely to win the national championship versus Tennessee. So what that tells me is you got something that's, that's a little known favorite bias in the championship odds. People still like Alabama. They're they're a very popular team across the country. They're a very popular betting team. So I think books are taking advantage of that, uh, of these biases that people have, that these bettors have, and they're juicing the lines on these favorites to the point that there's a lot of VIG on these favorites and not so much on the long shots. Um, reverse of what usually happens. Just my speculation. I can't say that for certain, but uh, it's, it's interesting. So Keep an eye on those lines. We'll see how they fluctuate throughout the rest of this year. But it's a very odd discrepancy to me. Well, this is I, you bring this up, story. So I want to ask you this question. You're looking at let's go down to the bottom here. We're talking about the six and seven team, or I'm sorry, the five and six team. You're talking Tennessee plus sixteen hundred and Michigan plus sixteen hundred. Now I understand what you're saying about Hennon Hooker and his odds for the Heisman, but that's what really throws me off. You got a Tennessee team plus sixteen hundred that's equal to a Michigan team plus sixteen hundred. Michigan, we know, what do they have to do? They have to beat Ohio State, right? Mm. Tennessee, in order to get to the playoffs, they have to beat Bama. They have to beat Georgia. I mean, they're going to have to beat Bama again in the SEC Championship if they beat Georgia. So they have to beat Georgia and Bama. Michigan, they only got to beat Ohio State, and they got a good shot of, you know, going to the playoffs. So that number kind of strikes me in itself as being a little bit off, but, you know, I'm not going to throw any money on that. I already got the plus 2,000 on Michigan. Do you have any futures this, this, uh, this year, Story? Well, my uh, actually, I threw a little bit on Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman um, way back when. I'll have to dig out which book it's on, because and I, I do not even remember what I got it at. But uh, I just thought, listen, if, if this this guy's going to carry my fantasy team all year, I want in on the action. If he has just a, an incredible season, and so far, say say what you will, but Tennessee is just on, like I said, firing on all cylinders on offense, and they get Seljuk Tillman back pretty quickly here. I'm uh, I'm scared for some of the teams in the SEC. And next week, UT Martin, I think. So good luck there. <laughs> yeah, I'm real scared for them, Story. That'll be a real barn burner. Good old SEC Week 8 playing UT Tennessee. But that's just how it goes. Pac-12, though, they got some games. They had a game last week, Story. UC, USC game. You catch that one? Yeah, that's another game that I could not turn off. You know, I, I had a lot of uh, vested interests on the gambling side and the fantasy side. But just what a game between two powerhouses in the S and in the Pac-12, right? Utah ends up winning because they go for two at the end of the game. They win 43 to 42. Now, the big loss here potentially for USC, and we don't know the extent of it, but their uh, reigning Bolitnikoff award winner, Jordan Addison, went down with a knee injury in the second half. We don't know the extent of it. It looked bad. Uh, he came out of the locker room on crutches without pads on. So we don't know how long he's going to be out. We hope it's not all season. We'd, I'd love to see USC really uh, continue on this this path. But um, yeah, just a great game. 
Yeah, it's tough to see like a, a top receiver like that go down, but uh, hopefully he comes back. Hopefully we see him. I think it's a, the more, I shouldn't say the more important issue here because that's, you know, player injuries is obviously the more important issue. We want to keep players safe. But I think the what we have to take away from this game is the Pac-12's survivorship chances now at going to the college football playoff. This really hurts, in my opinion, this really hurts their chances. Um, it was a good football game. Don't get me wrong, but you got a Utah team that now, you know, they, they don't have a goose egg by any means. And they beat this USC team, which was the powerhouse, the one that did have that goose egg still. You know, I don't know. They, we got, you know, a potential with Oregon. They got that loss to Georgia, but USC, they're going to have a tough time having lost to this Utah team. And then we'll get into another game this week there in the Pac-12. But I really think what you have to take away from this game is the Pac-12, they, they have a little bit of trouble now getting in the playoff drive or getting into the college football playoffs, in my opinion. I wouldn't argue with it there. I think it's completely muddied the waters there. Uh, SC seven uh, before this game, uh, Utah 20. So you could make an argument that had SC USC beaten Utah, they could have jumped to five, maybe even four. We, we don't know. The problem is they didn't. And while Oregon remains undefeated, Utah's got two losses, but they beat USC who only has one loss. There's tiebreakers involved. The Pac-12 title race is really up for grabs at this point. Uh, it's tough to really ascertain what's going to come of this Pac-12, but their their chances to make the playoff with a, a Tennessee team that's juiced ju- juiced out of control. Alabama's still up there, even though they dropped in the rankings. Georgia, obviously, there's way too much competition out east for this Pac-12 team. I think they're hard pressed to make the play to get a team into the playoffs this year. Well, you got a you got a strong Big 12 this year too, which uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't think that there's a possibility for a Big 12 team getting in there too. Story, I think though. ACC has Clemson, right? And Clemson, they don't lose. They got, I hate to say it, but they got an automatic bid, which, hey, maybe we jump into the games for next week because Clemson has a big one. They got that Syracuse football team, which normally it's kind of a joke, like, oh, is Syracuse going to upset them? No, 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 not so much this year. And if you look at the spread, you know, it's, it's, I get it. It's still up there. Syracuse getting 13 and a half over under a 51 and a half Clemson minus 556, but I'm guaranteeing you there are some people that think Syracuse might take down this Clemson team. Are you one of them? No, I don't think they can beat Clemson. <laughs> Not the way that Clemson is playing this year. Clemson had a down year last year for sure, but DJ Ungulaleli has turned it around this year. And it's just, I saw a, a tweet earlier today that it looks like he's got better numbers through his first two seasons than Trevor Lawrence, which is just mind blowing just because of the way that this year has gone for them. That said, do I think Syracuse can keep it close? I do. Syracuse is 6-0 and after a big home win against North Carolina State. This is a team, the Syracuse team, that, that was a joke no more than a few years ago, and now they are one of the tops in the AAC. So I'm looking forward to this game. This game is uh, on at 11 o'clock, um, so keep an eye out on this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good chance for Syracuse to keep the game close and I don't think Clemson is a great team I I'll push back a little bit on you there I think that they looked very bad at the beginning of the year I think that the past few games they've looked very good they did have a little trouble against Florida State and I know we talked about in the preview show you and I always disagree on Florida State right oh yeah (laughs) I I always it's I always dislike them you always like them but in my opinion they're not a great football team this year either but uh Clemson did struggle with them a little bit last week you know, they kind of took over the game, but the problem is at the end of the game, you can't let a team back in it. And they let Florida State back in it. You know, Florida State blanking them in the fourth quarter, scoring two touchdowns. You know, maybe you call it garbage time. I don't because they got it to a one score game, but 
they looked a little, you know, shaky there at the end. You got to put away games. They just didn't do it for that one. So I don't know that Clemson is a great team. I know that when you look at these two teams going against each other, it looks like the same team is playing itself. I mean, if you look at the stats, you got passing yards, Syracuse 250 a game, Clemson 254 a game, rushing yards, Syracuse 190, Clemson 170. I mean, these teams are very equal to each other. And I always like, you know, time on field. Can you control that ball? Can you control the field? 31 minutes a game for Clemson, 32 minutes a game for Syracuse. So I think we're going to get a good football game here. I don't know that I would go one way or another. That total's sitting at 51 and a half. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I like the over in this game. If you look at at how these players are performing for each of these respective teams, it seems as though Syracuse is like an 85% version with the big stars of Clemson, right? So Ugalalele, he's got uh, 1,665 yards with 17 touchdowns and two interceptions. Garrett Trader, former Mississippi State quarterback, transfer. He's got 1,434 yards, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. And then Sean Tucker, the great running back for Syracuse, six touchdowns on 124 carries with 644 yards. And then Will Shipley, another great quarter, or running back there, 567 yards and eight touchdowns, although he does have fewer carries, so he's been far more efficient. So me, I like this over. Uh, I think that they both teams need a solid plan to pass the football. Great pass rush on Clemson's side. So Schrader might make some mistakes, but if he can limit those mistakes, Syracuse is going to keep it close. That's going to put pressure on Clemson to, to keep scoring. I like the over in this game. Hey, that's that makes sense. You know, I don't know if the DFS guys here will be taking it because we the over, you can get 52 still and be over. So I don't know that there's any players necessarily that Woj would recommend for this game. I know he's occasionally talking about DJU, but the over makes sense. I mean, that's a low number for what a game that might, you know, it could potentially go into overtime. So who knows? In this series, Syracuse two and eight the last 10, but seven and three against the spread. So we know where the money goes. The book knows where the money goes. They set the lines accordingly, but we can't talk about the ACC all day story. You know, it's one of my least favorite conferences. Let's jump over to the Pac-12. There's a good one brewing over there. UCLA at Oregon. Going to Eugene, baby. UCLA plus 185 over under of 70 and a half. If Woj was here, we'd be sending, spending a bit of time talking about daily fantasy players. That's my guess anyways. If you want to take the spread, Oregon minus six. Come on, Story. What do you got for this one? This one is going to be interesting. 70 and a half is a lot for a college football game. It's a lot for – I know that the Pac-12 tends to have a, more scoring than they do defense. But uh, so UCLA is coming off of a bye that – and we mentioned Utah having two losses. UCLA beat 11 – or number 11-ranked Utah on October 8th. And then prior to that, they knocked off 15-ranked Washington – 40 to 32. So can they make it a trifecta and knock off number 10, Oregon? I don't know. This, this line is set almost perfectly. I think at, at minus six for Oregon plus six or UCLA. I don't want to touch that over under though. 70 and a half is you get one slow quarter in your debt, unless you get overtime. It's, it's very tough. I, I do want to talk about some of the players here on UCLA. Zach Charbonnet transfer from Michigan, just an absolutely stunner of a season. 615 yards on just 87 carries. You want to talk about efficiency. This guy is absolutely crushing it. Six touchdowns, great offense. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a slow start to his career, but he's been in that program forever with Chip Kelly, and he's been playing really, really good. 
And then the Bruins have a really good defense too, uh, a pretty good secondary. Uh, they're, they're keeping teams to under 250 passing yards per game. They got a decent pass rush, but Oregon's offense, uh, outside of that kind of stumble in the first game of the year against Georgia, they've averaged 42 points a game, 512 yards offensively. So two really great offenses. Bo Nix, another transfer coming into Oregon, just been playing great 1500 yards 12 touchdowns only three interceptions it just seems there's been a lot of great quarterback play this year and this one has another two great quarterbacks I I don't know I don't know which way to go on this game because while Oregon has been playing really really well dominant even UCLA has quietly put together a great season under Chip Kelly this year I'd be real interested to see what our mutual acquaintance, Mr. The Real Jay-Z, had to say about this one. We know he's a big Oregon fan, and he's been big on UCLA all year long, so I wish I'd been able to talk with him before we recorded this. That was not the case, though. But thinking back, I cannot remember a time that UCLA came to Eugene and it was only under a touchdown spread. I mean, I just they when it's at Oregon, UCLA is – you know, generally getting 10 points, 14 points even. But this year, they're a much better football team, a much better football team. I like what you said about how Oregon's been on point lately. I mean, running back, you got – it doesn't matter who they put in there. Whittington, Sean Dollars, the guy I talked about at the beginning of the year who's really been coming on, Irving, the running back doesn't really matter. And you mentioned Bo Nix. Heck, throw him in there too, Story. They just played Arizona. They had a bye last week, but the week before they played Arizona – Bo Nix had three rushing touchdowns. So, you know, the quarterbacks running first string, second string, third string, whatever order you want to put them in, they're running the football. That offensive line is getting them space. You know, I like this game. I think it's going to be interesting because both teams are coming off a bye. A little bit of SEC scheduling here, getting their two best teams some rest to play each other. You know, you know what I'm talking about with that SEC scheduling, right? Generally, how it goes with the SEC, yeah, all these conferences, they they play games with the schedule. So, so I would, it's just the way it is. It is the way it is, but it's gonna it's gonna call for a good football game. You know, both teams are gonna be coming off with some rest, so they're both gonna be at their best, and we're gonna get to watch some you know real good football. I I don't know. I like Charbonnet. You probably heard us talk about him before on this rundown podcast this year, last year, the year before when he's on Michigan. He's a great running back. I think he might be the equalizer. I don't know that I want to bet against Oregon, but if I had to, I probably would just because right now the spread is, you know, almost at a full touchdown, which it could be a very close game and Oregon still takes it. So I might just take the points. I don't know. I'll probably wait till Saturday, make my decision and go from there. Um, I, I do question though, that 70 and a half. I, I understand how you said that you never know what's going to happen with the 70 and a half game. Uh, that Alabama, do you remember the Alabama game that uh, over under last week? Was it? It was around 70, wasn't it? The, when they played Texas? No, no, Alabama. Last week when they played Tennessee. I think it was oh. like 69 and a half or something. You mean this, just this past week when they played Tennessee? Yeah, when they played Tennessee. Uh, no. I, I don't remember off the top of my I, head, but uh, I, I, would, I, I would put it around that 68 number if I had to guess. Yeah, I think it was around there. And you're saying, well, they're, shit, they're not going to score 68. <laughs> they scored a, a lot more than that. We went way over. So you're right. You never know in a game like this. But I think when these two teams match up, I think they're really going to be conservative with the football. I don't think either one of the teams is going to want to turn it over. I think mistakes are probably what's going to lose one of the two teams the game. So they might be a little conservative, might slow the clock down because they are conservative. So I don't know that we hit the over. Maybe I'll look to hit the under on this. But I'm undecided. A game... I'm looking a little bit more forward to, I'd have to say, is the Texas-Oklahoma State game. Texas-Oklahoma State. I'm excited. Oklahoma State 
plus 193. The total sitting 64 and a half. Texas minus five and a half on the spread. I don't know where you're going to go with this one. I honestly have no idea what you have to say about this one. So I'll let you paint your own picture. Uh, is Texas back? I think that's the question that everybody across the country is asking, right? The Longhorns, they might be undefeated if Quinn Ewers hadn't gotten hurt against Alabama. If everybody, nobody remembers that Texas lost to Alabama 20 to 19 when Ewers got hurt. Um, they also took a 37, 34 loss to Texas tech in overtime while Ewers was still recovering. So he didn't look terrific against Iowa state, but that is a, an up and coming star. I think he's thrown for almost a thousand, well, 820 yards, nine touchdowns with just two interceptions. He's been highly efficient this year. And then the, the guy that everybody wants to talk about, the guy that's expensive. If, if Woj is here talking about daily fantasy is B. John Robinson, who's probably the closest thing to Deion Sanders that we, we currently have 5.7 yards per carry with 10 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns this year already on 138 attempts. They'll feed Bijan Robinson. And then the defense is playing well too. So Texas is a great team. I've not been the biggest fan of Texas, but that program is doing great things this year. And then Oklahoma State, I'll let you talk a little bit more. You know more about Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy there than I do. But Spencer Sanders, right? He's been in the league or he's been in, in, in college football forever. 13 touchdowns, so only three interceptions. The offensive line has keeping him been keeping him upright. Dominic Richardson is a serviceable running back. This is where Oklahoma State could end up struggling a little bit, though. Uh, but their defense, right? Their defense has been pretty, pretty good. So I don't know. I I haven't really dug into the numbers too much on this game. Four and a half is a bit of an odd spread. 65 and a half. This one, though, Big 12, I could see this one going over. This one just screams pass, 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 pass. And one of those games that whoever has the ball last ends up winning. So that's, that's it. Uh, what do you think? Well, well, I, I, Oklahoma state, like you mentioned, they're a team I've been watching a lot this year. I've had money on a lot of their games. I, I will say that their defense has gotten better. Um, I don't know that I'm as adamant as you about their defense is good at this point. Uh, it remains to be seen if they can shut down Quinn Ewers, then I will say their defense has gotten good and has definitely, you know, progressed a lot through the season because the beginning of the season, man, they did not look good. Bijan Robinson though, even if Ewers doesn't set up Oklahoma state's going to have a lot of trouble stopping him. You mentioned that already. You're hundred percent on point. I think that you're hundred percent on point. Anyways, that defense of Oklahoma state really is going to determine one, whether Oklahoma state, you know, can win the football game and two, whether it's going to be a close <laughs> football game or not five and a half spread. It surprised me a little bit, but not a whole lot. I mean, I don't know that I'd want to bet on Oklahoma State in this one. If I was going to actually bet on Oklahoma State, I'd probably go to the outright futures, bet on them to win the conference because you're getting a plus 450 number there, which if they beat Texas, you know, they'll have that loss. We didn't even talk about that game last week's story. The TCU-Oklahoma State game, double overtime. Oh, yeah. Man, what a good football game that was. But they were at TCU, Oklahoma State was. So, you know, that says something about that. But if they do beat Texas, it's going to create a lot of chaos there in the Big 12. And I think Oklahoma State's a good enough football team that if you want to beat, bet on them to beat Texas this week, don't even do it in the game. You're getting plus 193. I understand that to beat Texas. But look at the futures. Look at the number they're getting there to win the Big 12 plus 450. They'll be sitting in the driver's seat. You know, Texas, they didn't look real great. I'm a Longhorn fan. I, I don't want to diss my Texas team, but they didn't look real great against Iowa State. Obviously, I had high expectations that they would pound Iowa State. Did you know that I'm not a big Cyclone fan? 
story? Believe it or not, that's that's not the first time that I've heard that. No, I tried to surprise you there. I guess it didn't work. But, you know, Texas, they're just, you know, they didn't do all that great against Iowa State. They came back in the fourth, though, and they won it. And I think Sarkeesian, the head coach over there at Texas, he summed it up best when he said, you know what? We didn't play our best football, but we found a way to win. And that's what good football teams do. Last week, I mentioned I took a little bit of a flyer on Texas plus 20,000 to win the national championship. I mean, you're putting $5 down to win a $1,000 story. This this Texas team, they, they're a good football team, especially when Ewers is healthy. You know, B. John Robinson is going to come to play every day. So I put that flyer last week. But I think this week, I'll probably stay away from this game specifically. If I was going to do something, like I said, I'd probably take that Oklahoma State to win the Big 12 championship at that plus 450 number. Well, that's uh, that, uh, no argument for me there. I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out. You know, my Baylor future for the Big 12 is looking less and less profitable by the day. So we'll just see how this this whole thing plays out. Yeah, we will. Who Baylor's got – who do they got this week? They got Good. Kansas, right? Yeah. I think they got Kansas. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that game goes. We'll, we'll see how both teams do because Kansas is coming, you know, off the, all that hype and then they lost – unfortunately, but we'll see how Baylor can handle them. It'll be a good football game to watch there. The Big 12 this year's story, they've really been a good conference, much better than I expected at the beginning of the season. Well, I can't go back to Kansas just for a second. The, the quarterback that stepped in, Jason Bean, has just been incredible the last two weeks. Um, last week, let's just pull it up here. Yeah, um, 295 with four touchdowns, right? And so – Going to be a bit of a bit of a dogfight in that game. So the Big Twelve has been surprisingly uh, a lot more competent across. It, it, you know, you've always had a couple of teams at the top that have really dominated and been successful. But now it's kind of spread out a little bit more, like you've got in the Big Ten and, and you've got in the SEC. I mean, you always got to have Alabama up there in the SEC, but uh, it's not as not as concentrated on the top with the talent as we've seen in years past, which is great for college football. I think I love that we've got some parity across these conferences now. Parity is great. And then we got a, like a team like James Madison just makes it while you're talking about that. I think like, man, that James Madison team they're they're really showing how, you know, a bottom tier team, a team that just transferred to the FBS for that matter can really start making a statement right away by doing the right thing. So I love that parody in college football too. I hope we get more of it. Alabama losing a football game obviously helps with that cause, but you know what we can't have this week? We can't have Mr. Michael Story losing a pick em. So I, I'm going to throw to Mike T. I'm going to give you a little bit of time if you hadn't thought this over, but I'm going to throw to Mike to you first. Let us know what your pick em is for this week, Story. Okay. Well, we are almost there, folks. We are almost to the point of the year that that my wife really doesn't like me for, for about a month and a half to two months. We're almost to Tuesday night action. And so we are looking to a little little conference, the Mid-American Conference this week. I'm really excited about it. We're, no, we're not quite there yet. We don't have any Tuesday games yet. But like I said, once that once that rolls around, we got Tuesday games, we got Wednesday games, we got Thursday night football, we got Friday games, we got Saturday all day, Sunday, Monday night football. And then yeah, so so my my schedule gets a little busier. So it's this week. I'm looking at Toledo at Buffalo on Saturday, a noon game. Buffalo plus seven and a half. That's my pick. Um, there's a couple of places you can bet this. Some places have Buffalo plus seven. Uh, if you wanted to go Buffalo plus seven and you want to pay down because you can get seven and a half on FanDuel at minus 122, but if you don't want to pay the juice, you can get them plus seven and possibly get the push. 
at points bet at minus 107. So make sure you're finding the best line. But I think that this line is good. I think Buffalo has been generally underrated this year. Uh, they did lose to a top five FCS team. So that certainly has brought them down in the odds makers. But they've covered every game since. And they have one of the best recruiting and transfer classes in the MAC. So I'm looking at Buffalo plus seven and a half. That's the pick them for this week. Let's go. Let's go story. You know, I'm going to put some money down on that man that has not lost his pick them once on the rundown. You know, I'm not fading that. You know, I'm taking it. Buffalo plus seven and a half. I happen to know that Schneider's having a pretty good season over there at quarterback for Buffalo. So I like it a lot. I like getting that hook too. But as far as my pick, I got to put my money on the line. Woj has actually beat me. And again, I don't know if he's going to do a pick this week. We'll see. Like I said, he's down in there in Tennessee. I don't know if he gets any cell phone reception down there in Tennessee. But as far as my pick, Penn State minus four and a half. I think they bounce back after getting crushed by a great Michigan football team. I just think they take down Minnesota. So I'm going Penn State, going to take the favorite minus four and a half. Yeah, I, did I, don't, look. I don't dislike that. I don't dislike that at all. Minnesota looked dominant to start the year, especially on defense, but they have been struggling. They had a weird game a couple of weeks ago with Ibrahim, who dressed but didn't play a snap. Tanner Morgan uh, got hurt last game, so minus four and a half, Penn State. Now, do we know the status of Sean Clifford? He got hurt last game, too. I'm not sure if he came back in, but that certainly hurts the prospects if if Clifford is out. I don't know what, what's up with him. Well, Clifford, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's he's the team, you know, right? He's He's the leader of that team. I think if we're talking about like, for example, a Tennessee football team, right? Hendon Hooker goes down that, that you know, their season's over. Really. It's, they have a, it's done. They're, it's done. They're not, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to drop out of the top 25. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they're, they're not going to be a national championship contender anymore, but Sean Clifford, you know, he's the guy that leads that team, but they win football games without Sean Clifford, in my opinion. So I don't know it obviously the, that's baked into the line, whether he's going to oh, play yeah. or not. We'll, we'll see, but story. I want to ask you this before we wrap up here. Sports betting Intel has been great partners this year. Do you guys have anything in the pipeline, anything you'd like to share with us? I want to get our rundown nation, a little bit of insider information to what's going on over there. Of course. we, any. Yeah, absolutely. We love this partnership with the college football rundown. As I've, as I've said for many, many years, you guys have one of the best audiences in podcasting. I think you guys do an incredible job. So we're really excited about it. SB Intel, for those who, who are just coming in the podcast, we are a sports betting odds service and analytics site where we provide data and tools to help you become smarter and more profitable sports better. So we're trying to get some more education out there right now. That's what we're, we're really working towards. We're starting more podcasts. Uh, we're going to utilize our, the resources of the talents of the team that we have to bring you more data about sports betting in general, more evergreen topics, but also dig into some of the lines, some of the odds movements things that, that the Sharps are looking at, upcoming stuff for the weekend. Uh, we've got a ton of great blog po- blog posts, articles, education on the website. So like I said, we're trying to get more stuff out there, more content out there that people can utilize. And go over to sportsbettingintel.com. Check us out. Let me know if you have any questions. You can email me directly, mikes at sportsbettingintel.com. Follow us at tw- on Twitter at SBintel. Follow us on Instagram at SBintel. Facebook as well. We're going to start doing some more stuff as well and, and hope to come back on this podcast, talk about some of these things. And we're also kind of, we're, we're also, uh, we, we've got great participation with the Rundown Daily Fantasy League, hoping that gets up this week, but we are offering a free subscription for a month for anybody who wins that league. So check that out. 
anything else I can answer on that front for you? Um, we've got a lot, Wall, so I feel like I might have missed something, but uh, you can always find us on the social medias. No, I think you covered it all. I think Twitter is a great resource. We're tweeting out some content, our joint partnership. We got lines coming out from Rundown. If you guys do want to find sports betting intel, you can find them on our Twitter. We're always tweeting at them, sh- sharing their lines, sharing their data, helping you make more informed bets. The most important thing, Story, I want, I want to thank you for coming on, taking over for Woj, improving the podcast, making it better this week. You know, we had the talent on here with yourself and me. We got rid of the garbage, Mr. Matthew Woj, but I do look forward to him being back. He's my partner. He's the man. But anyway, Story, thanks for being in this with us. Let's make some money. Buffalo plus seven and a half, Penn State minus four and a half. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I cannot, I can only sit in for Woj. I could never replace him. Um, but thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure being on here. And as we like to say at SP Intel, stay sharp, sports betters. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can catch us on Twitter at WWCFB. Our Instagram's college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website, which you can get all our podcasts and information and contact me and Kyle on, is collegefootballrundown.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. We're out. We're out.